This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. There are many people who have not looked into the Word of God uh, this book which claims to be the inspired writings of the creator of the heavens and the earth may well believe that its contents are a series of ancient stories that contain instructions for a way of life that is hard to adhere to that will place restrictions on their way of life or that it is a little outdated in this modern materialistic age uh, perhaps making life less enjoyable for us. Many in today's world have no time for God, and it seems that in general there is an indifferent attitude towards anything religious, except of course when uh, Christmas comes around, and to a lesser degree Easter time. Now we're coming to the end of the year now, and Christmas has been celebrated throughout the Western world by both professing Christians and indeed non-Christians. <laughs> the world has been enjoying its annual celebrations of what it claims to be the birth of the Son of God. Uh, this is strange. It is most peculiar that people who are not particularly religious suddenly become involved in a supposed Christian observance at this time of year. And on the other hand, it seems odd that many who claim to be Christians should lay so much emphasis upon a celebration which neither Christ nor the Apostles kept or commanded others to keep, and which has no scriptural basis. Of course, in investigation, it's found to be steeped in paganism, and ritual idol worship with its origins based in the apostasy. We need not go into the details of these things. Information is readily available uh, from many sources, the internet, museums, libraries, etc., for any that wish to seek it out. The birth of Christ is a strange basis on which many, even non-Christians use as a reason for great festivity, excesses of food and drink, etc. Such is the drive to conform in this modern world. Whilst the birth of Jesus was a truly miraculous event, in that he was the Son of God, and his entering into this world was brought about without the aid of man, we can read of this in Matthew uh, chapter 1 from verse 18 onwards it is his death his life and his resurrection and what that means which should be the focus of our attention because it is those things that Jesus accomplished and ratified that he did that confirmed the promises that God had made to man from the very beginning to faithful men of old to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to David and to the Lord Jesus himself 
and subsequently to all those who answer God's calling to be a people for his name. That is what should be rejoiced over. Promises that tell of the plan and purpose of the Almighty for this earth with men and women upon it. Yes, upon this earth. After the transgression of Adam and Eve in the garden in Eden, God made promises concerning the earth which he had created of man whom he had entrusted to oversee it and to care for it and the conditions that he intended to prevail upon the earth. Those promises were progressively revealed as time went by to faithful men of old as we have said and are recorded for us here in this book which has been preserved down through the ages. If we think about the dreadful state that the world is in at this time, we can readily see that the problems that face mankind are insoluble by man. No matter how much time and effort, resources, money, etc., etc., are poured into sorting out the problems that blight this earth, such things are ever with us. But God has said, this cannot continue and he says in Isaiah 45:18 that he created the heavens God that formed the earth and made it hath established it he created it not in vain he formed it to be inhabited and so God in his merciful kindness made these great and precious promises that the earth would return to its intended state despite man's ways. These promises unfolded as time went by and for example uh, the promises that were made to Abraham came in, in the first book of the Bible in Genesis at uh, chapter 12 uh, when Abraham was in a place called Er which was in Chaldea. They were followed up when Abraham moved to Shechem in chapter 12 verse 7 and in Genesis 13 and verses 14 to 17 when he travelled to Bethel and in Genesis 15 verses 13 to 18 when he was in Hebron and further on still into Palestine when he was in Mount Moriah Genesis 22 verses 15 to 18. Those same promises that were made to Abraham and to his descendants can be found right throughout the scriptures. For example, in second book of Samuel, chapter 7, King David, king of Israel, is also told of the plan and purpose of God Almighty. It's a thread that runs throughout the Bible, through the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you belong to mainstream Christianity, mainstream Christianity, or if you just go along with those things that the church preaches, its creed and its doctrines, you probably believe that your existence on this earth is temporary, and that when the time comes for you to depart this life, your immortal soul will leave your body and be received into heaven to a wonderful eternal existence reunited with your loved ones 
a place where there is no sickness, crime, war, anything unpleasant. The church claims its authority to be the Bible. The claims that they make regarding your life and what happens to you at death are nowhere to be found in the scriptures. Nowhere in scripture will you find any reference or anything implied that you possess an immortal soul or that you will enter into heaven somewhere in the ethereal. No person or their immortal soul has ever gone into heaven at death or even before death. And for your uh, study later you could look at the references in John 3.13, Ezekiel 18 verse 4, Ezekiel 18 verse 20 and Psalm 6 verse 5 amongst many, many references that are in scripture. Jesus, the Son of God, was born exactly the same as ourselves, as we find in Matthew chapter 1, which we've mentioned. This is referred to by the Apostle Paul in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, where it's written, all things, In all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren. But from that we can understand that Jesus was exactly the same as we are, born of a woman and made like unto his brethren. Now if we consider this, this has to be the case for him to be an example to mankind. For him to experience the same temptations and influences, the same emotions and desires. And yet for him to show that sin and death could be overcome giving us an example that his character was something that we could try to emulate. Jesus was obedient to his Father's will. And by being obedient to his Father's will, he opened up the way back unto the Father, the way which was blocked by the transgression, the disobedience of God's commandments by our progenitors, Adam and Eve as the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 verse 23 the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord Jesus' victory over the influences of the flesh that we bear his sinlessness and his perfect life should be a case for our rejoicing it means that those who are in covenant relationship with God through him can, in his grace and mercy, be included in those great and precious promises that we've mentioned. Once again, scripture leaves us in no doubt that we can share in those great and precious promises that were made unto the patriarchs. It says in Galatians 3.29, If ye be Christ's, then ye are Abram's seed and heirs according to the promise. So then, whilst the world has been celebrating Christmas for whatever reason, what I would like us to look at this afternoon is the scriptural evidence that the great and wonderful creator of the heavens and the earth foretold of a time when a child would be born, a child that would be in the fullness of time, the one that would, by his life, death and resurrection, give mankind 
a way back to God. The opportunity, by God's grace and mercy, to reverse the condemnation that was inherited by mankind through the sins of its first parents. One that would bring us back into the ways of righteousness. One that would show forth all that was good and would manifest the characteristics of his father. One who would fulfill all that was written of him in the law, the prophets and the psalms. One who would bring about those great and precious promises. As we have said, God did not create the earth in vain. He created it for it to be inhabited. That is what we should be celebrating, my dear friends and young people. That life lived in perfect obedience unto his Father's will. A life which, because it was sinless, was a life that would not be brought to an end by death. Jesus was and is an example to us, and he gained complete victory over death. He gained victory over the sinful flesh that he bore. Scripture shows us that we too can gain that victory over death, over the flesh that we bear by God's grace, if we accept his invitation, if we believe that God has said that we can share those things that have been achieved by Jesus concerning those promises, realizing that we of our own volition cannot achieve that perfect life, but that we are prepared to try that we recognize our weaknesses that we put our faith in God and in what he has said so let's look at a few of the references to show a little of what we have considered although the promises concerning God's plan and purposes were revealed to Abraham as recorded in Genesis we must first go back to the very creation when the commandment of God was ignored by the first man and first woman and the subsequent transgression condemned mankind when man thought that he could do as he pleased when he thought that he could ignore the creator's instructions and he brought about an estrangement between the creator and the created they had eaten of that which was forbidden believing that they knew better than God And this particular passage that we're going to look at in Genesis refers to the response of God after Adam and Eve had ignored him. They had listened to the advice of the adversary, the serpent. It says in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thee, speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This tendency to oppose God's will and purpose would be transmitted to their offspring. There would be hostility and antagonism, opposition and conflict all the days of man. As it says there, this affliction would be overcome in the fullness of time. Although the curse would cause man to stumble by affecting his heel, the tendency to transgress would be overcome by the fatal blow to that tendency in the head, in the mind. 
For God had said in the 14th chapter of the book of Genesis uh, of Numbers that the earth would be in the fullness of time filled with his glory as the waters cover the sea. Similarly to Isaiah 45. We've already mentioned the promises uh, several times that were made to the patriarchs which because of time you can look at in your leisure. Uh, and there are other places that are constantly referring to these promises. And for these promises to become a reality, the situation that unfolded in Genesis 3 would have to be reversed. And as we read, God promised that he would that would happen. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. If we turn to Isaiah chapter 32, we read there, of a prophecy concerning that time speaking particularly of the one who would come who would be responsible for such changes and some of the blessings of Christ's kingdom upon the earth it says there verse 1 of chapter 32 of Isaiah behold a king shall reign in righteousness and princes shall rule in judgment and the man shall be as a hiding place from the wind and the covert from the tempest as rivers of waters in a dry place as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land and in the eyes of them that shall see shall not be dim and the ears of them that hear shall hearken the heart also of the rash shall understand knowledge and the tongue of the stammers shall be ready to speak plainly there are many passages in scripture as we've said that speak of the kingdom and uh, some of the references you may care to look at in your own time Second uh, Samuel uh, chapter 7 verses 12 to 17 Psalm 2 Isaiah 11 which was our opening reading Isaiah 22 which we, we could look at and many references that uh, refer either directly or indirectly to God's kingdom on earth and its king Jesus anointed so where would this king of righteousness come from well Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 tells us that he would emerge from Bethlehem it says there in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 but thou Bethlehem Ephratah though thou be little among the thousands of Judah yet out of thee shall come forth unto me one that is to be a ruler in Israel whose going forth have been from old from everlasting Matthew quotes this Old Testament passage in his second chapter verse 6 it's probably one of the most uh, well known passages by most people at this time of the year it says there in verse 6 quoting from Micah chapter 5 and now Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel 
Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him also. Psalm 132 verse 11 also tells of the one who would bring about the promises that this king would fulfill. And this particular reference in Psalm 132 verse 11, we see one of those other Old Testament recipients of the promises spoken of. Here we see the throne of King David mentioned. Verse 11 it says, The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set up thy throne. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, their children also shall sit upon thy throne for evermore. For the Lord hath chosen Zion, he hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. There will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. And just uh, again in Psalm 89, another verse, verse 3 of Psalm 89. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David, my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. Now, you may well be wondering what the relationship of the genealogy of the Lord Jesus has to do with David. What's recorded for us in, in Matthew chapter 1, as we've mentioned, and again we could look at the genealogies in Luke chapter 3 onwards. Up to now we brief, briefly looked at the, where the Messiah, the Saviour of mankind, would come from, where his kingdom will be, and some of the benefits that will be afforded to those that have responded to God's calling and have chosen to seek him with desire to be a part of those things that are promised for those that love and revere his name now if we, uh, if we go away with nothing else uh, from what's been said this afternoon I would just ask that you consider the introductory reading from Isaiah chapter 11 which speaks of, of these things it tells of a time when the earth shall be ruled by the Son of God from Zion in fulfilment of the promises made from the very creation when the earth will be filled with the wisdom and understanding of God and his ways when judgment will be based on appear not be based on appearance, and when those that oppress the meek will be reproved with equity, when the wicked will be eradicated, when faithfulness and righteousness will prevail, when sickness and death will be no more, when peace and safety will be the order of the day with no fear. There will be no war, destruction and famine or disease and the earth will be restored as it was intended when God created it. It's difficult to imagine when we look around us in this present world. The thing 
my dear friends and young people, is that we should be celebrating the life of Jesus. The fact that the Lord God Almighty created the heavens and the earth, and despite the efforts of mankind to destroy his creation, he will make the earth as he intended through his Son, Jesus anointed. God has said that the wages of sin is death, as we have mentioned, and therefore the opposite is true. We know that Jesus was put to death. It is an historical fact. We know that he was raised from the dead because he did nothing to earn his sentence. He was perfect in all his ways. What he went through was not in vain. The times spoken of when Jesus would return to this earth to establish these things is upon us. If you carefully and prayerfully read the word of God, you too will be able to discern those times, these times in which we live. When Jesus ascended unto the heavens, the angels asked Jesus' followers why they were concerned at his ascension unto the heavens to await God's commandment to cleanse the earth and to establish all that was written of him. Acts 1 verse 11 says, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up to heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And further down at verse 22 it says, Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. So, let us rejoice in the knowledge that God has provided a way for mankind to be reconciled unto him and accept that wonderful invitation before there is time no more. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.